horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back. It has been a wild and woolly week on the racetrack, or in most cases, not on the racetrack uh, due to the amazing heat wave or heat bubble uh, that we had from, uh, oh, I don't know, Montana to Maine. I mean, it was uh, pretty unbelievable, but uh, nonetheless, we've survived it. It's over. But a lot of tracks didn't survive it, and a lot of tracks canceled. Uh, I'm sure a lot of tracks benefited from it if they were able to run uh, because uh, the uh, there was no not much for the people to play until late. It was a very strange day at Monmouth Park. But before I get to myself and start painting all those pictures, I want to welcome you. I'm John Engelhart, and I want to welcome our two guests, Eric Hamelback has been with us before. He's the top dog at the National Horseman's Benevolent and Protective Association. I always got to make sure I get that right. You know it as the HBPA. Interesting background. Originally from Louisiana. Uh, he managed Frank Stronax at Dina Springs Farm. He uh, lives in beautiful Gay Paris, Kentucky. And um, he's got some uh, a lot on his plate right now with the pressures from the tracks and the pressures from PETA on the tracks, which eventually trickles its way down to the horsemen. And in a lot of cases, it seems like they're being victimized from some of the decisions that are being made and uh, pressures that are being put on them that aren't necessarily all based on fact. So uh, we're going to talk with uh, Eric. And then, of course, my main man, Steady Eddie Meyer. He's been doing a lot of work on, on the card that we're going to present to you tonight and let me lean over and pull that out from all the papers i just put on top of my pps um saratoga we're going to try to nail down a a pick three at saratoga and uh it starts off i believe with the alfred g vanderbilt but that was still hiding underneath my pps i'll find them folks don't worry about it and then uh yeah, it is the Vanderbilt Grade 1, six furlong affair. Brings out Matoli. Man, how good is this horse? Four for four this season. Over $1.6 million. Will probably be retired after this year. But right now, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fastest of them all? It's Matoli. In the Bowling Green, going a mile and three-eighths at Saratoga. It's a Grade 2, quarter million up for grabs. And then a real Jim Dandy of a race. That's right. It's the Jim Dandy and the return of War of Will, who took the Preakness Stakes, was wiped out in the Kentucky Derby, and didn't fire too well in the Belmont, but I think he had had a tough uh, time of it. Uh, Mark Cassie looks like he's got him back on his toes, but look out, Tacitus, who was a game second in the Belmont Stakes behind Sir Winston, is parked right next to him in the gate. And then we're going to go out. Uh, let's not forget our friends at Del Mar, Bing Crosby, one of the owners of uh, Del Mar, original owners. Uh, the Bing Crosby, grade one, 300,000. Again, some of the fastest horses in training will be going six panels. So that's the menu for when we get together with my friend Ed Meyer later on after we talk to Eric. But right now I'm talking to you 
uh, about something that is no longer a rumor. Um, you know, it had been reported from different sources that this was true. I kept saying, this has got to be, you got to be kidding me. But it, for a long time, there's a rumor that uh, the, the uh, Daily Racing Form um, has going up for sale. And so what they did was they severed the employment ties uh, of several people, I guess, to try to get the price down of their staff salary. And uh, so they say negotiations are getting serious and kind of hard to believe some of the people they let go. I mean, one of the icons of the DRF, Jay Havday, who's also a very accomplished author uh, and the uh, husband of Julie Crone, uh, has been let go. Uh so many people over the years have uh, listened and waited for the Weekend Warrior report from Mike Watchmaker. Uh, he, he's been let go. I always like the tete-de-tetes between uh, Watchmaker and Jay Privman, who was not cut, luckily. Uh, sad to say, uh, National Handicapper and uh, analyst Matt Bernier and Byron King, two of the younger faces uh, in the DRF and uh you know, the kind of people you'd want to put forward as, hey, folks, look at these guys. They are they don't look like Engelhart. They don't have gray hair and beard, you know. <laughs> these guys are young and hip. Uh, but you know what? Uh, also, one of the editors, uh, Robert Fortuna, uh, none of those guys right now are employed by the Daily Racing Forum. And I heard from two of them today, uh, totally unsolicited. So uh, it is verified, but hard to believe. Uh, that uh, guys with that much talent are being let go. And as racing goes more and more to the sidelines and seems to be continually downsizing and laying people off, uh, I still think there's enough talent in the group that I just mentioned that these guys are going to land on their feet. Exactly where, I don't know. But uh, DRF's loss may be a big gain for other uh, thoroughbred outlets, whether on radio, on television, or as online handicappers. Uh, there's a lot of places these guys can go because uh, they're very well-known and well-respected. But uh, it was in the rumor mill, but now it has been c- confirmed. Hard to believe. Well, a really weird day at Monmouth. They ran a couple races, and then because of the heat, stopped, and then came back and raced after six o'clock. I'm trying to think of what the last live race was. It was uh, oh six oh three. I'm sorry they came back. I digress. But they went from uh, one fourteen, and then decided to cancel the races, and then came back at six o'clock. Uh, and so that was kind of strange. It started with the Ocean Port stakes. And so the Haskell didn't go off till uh, after 8 o'clock. And uh, he, uh, you can read some comments about the, the, the CEO. He, uh, he did what he felt was right. Perhaps he felt a little pressured into it. Um, you know, with all of the, you know, Peter rules the racing world now that's uh, going around. And either way, you know, he decided uh, for probably many reasons to take that break and I'm sure it cost him a whole lot at the window and obviously people uh, you know leaving the track so uh, we'll, we'll go down those uh, those race results when we get to it but it was just a really strange day there weren't that many you know tracks running Saratoga uh, wasn't running so uh, 
Uh, it was just strange. But anyhow, uh, the big news, of course, is the fact that Maximum Security, the horse that finished the line first in the Kentucky Derby and was just beaten by a length in his prep for this race, the Pegasus Stakes, came back to his winning ways. And the good news is uh, he, uh, after winning, they're saying that it's time to go back and meet the big boys in the Travers Stakes. So uh, after getting a day's rest uh, from the Haskell Invitational, uh, Jason Service says he's 100% ready to roll. He's tired, you know. He uh, slept, he got tired, but he's totally sound. And it looks like we are going to the Travers. And uh, what a, uh, a race that's going to turn out to be. Now, Mujo Gusto uh, that ran second to him in that race is going to get, he's going to go back uh, to the West Coast. But remember last year's two year old champion, game winner, he's going to join him up at the spa. So the Travers, again, looking like it's going to turn out to be an outstanding uh, race. Now, remember, Saratoga's card canceled on Saturday, but they did move the stake and a handicap race to Sunday. The one we were uh, not wanting to bet on, but wanting to watch. Uh, was uh, the Coaching Club American Oaks, grade one, half a million. And this Garana is turning out to be a freak. Trained by Chad Brown, uh, owned and bred by Three Chimneys, uh, won the Acorn over Saragentry Empress, and uh, went wire to wire, was challenged on the turn and pulled away, but just kind of rebroke uh, when uh, Point of Honor made another move. The uh, Eclipse Thoroughbreds <laughs> lodged an objection. It's not often you see owners lodge it. It uh, was not honored. So uh, it went uh, Garana, uh, Point of Honor, and off topic in the very short field. And then uh, out at the uh, Grade 2 San Clemente at Del Mar, at least they got their full card in, uh, the San Clemente Grade 2, $200,000. Uh, the winner was Mucho Unusual, who has speed, but was taken back by Joel Rosario and got up late to get the win. Uh, o- over 17 to 1 shot, Apache Princess, who just made a huge move around the turn and overemphasized was third. And in the San Diego handicap, no big surprise in here, Catalana Cruiser cruised to a one-length win pretty much in wire-to-wire fashion. Off at 1-9, to nine, not a whole lot of money to be made. At 12-1 to one and second was Mongolian Groom, and in the third spot was Draft Pick. So those were the races we looked at last week. It was a real hodgepodge, plus we got degraded stakes win, uh, races throughout the week. So uh, keep your eye peeled and get those easy win forms from Winning Pony. All right, just put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back with Eric Hamelbeck. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. 
thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds, incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, I addressed some of his talents and his resume at the top of the show. Uh, Eric Hamelback is the uh, CEO of the, uh, you know him as the HBPA, and uh, but uh, he's got a long history in, in racing. And uh, first of all, he went to LSU and got a bachelor's in uh <laughs> Bachelor of Science in Animal Systems, so he knows a little bit about the horse and the safety and taking care of horses and was, uh, you know, blessed with a position at Frank Stronach's Adidas Springs. So, you know, this is a guy that knows good horses and been around good horses, and he's never going to do or say anything that uh, would put a horse or his uh, group of, of horsemen uh, in a bad light. So with no further ado, Eric Hamelbeck, thanks for joining us again. Hey, John. Thank you very much for having us on. It's always a pleasure to come on your show and uh, such a great audience and you do such a great job promoting the industry and, uh, you know, all of us out here uh, on the other side of the mic really appreciate what you do. Well, uh, you know, you're right there. You're, you're, you're the top man of your organization. Your organization is extremely uh, important to racing, and but I, I don't think there are any kind of group that needs to or should be uh, pushed <clears throat> around and told what to do, since without <laughs> them, the show doesn't go on. And uh, right now, we're seeing what I feel is outside sources kind of coming into the, to the racing industry and influencing our business model. Uh, it's very disturbing to me. Now, let, let, let's go back. About a month ago, I was reading um, mm-hmm. uh, a statement you, you put out. Of course, I get everything from uh, Jenny Reese, uh, your great PR mm-hmm. person. And it was ba- basically uh, surrounded the issue of Lasix that came out of the breakdowns at Santa Anita. And I've never mm-hmm. personally known of a horse to break down from use of Lasix. So let me get your side of the story and what you presented to the public. Well, certainly, certainly. I think, um, you know, to frame it properly, the the two statements we essentially put out when the unfortunate tragedies did occur at Santa Anita, uh, one was, of course, early on and was supportive um, of all of the initiatives that that went into finding out and investigating the problem um, and being supportive of the horsemen there. Of course, their 
they they're well represented with the TOC, Thoroughbred Owners of California, and then of course um, a good friend and sounding board, Alan Balch, with the California Thoroughbred Trainers. Uh, but then the second statement, I think one more to what you're referring to, was a, a, a little bit of a concern statement that dealt with the initiatives uh, announced or put into play from the now leader of the Stronic Group, again, much different than when I was working for Frank, um, Belinda Stronic, and, and the team put out some initiatives that I would say I was the first to applaud. Um, I also would appreciate the fact that they're one of the first groups, along with Churchill, to actually offer up initiatives uh, that they would put funding towards, um, whereas you have certain groups now, like our breed registry, who puts out white papers of thoughts and ideas, um, but doesn't offer to pay for anything. Um, but but the Stronic Group did have some good initiatives, and especially when it comes to... <clears throat> You know, pre-race exams, pre-training exams, um, and the, the the medical equipment. But the concern of the quote-unquote reduction of Lasix, and and originally was talking about a complete ban of Lasix, which I think is still what they initial or what they would like to try to move towards. While I know everybody has an opinion on Lasix, I think the one thing that that everyone can agree on Lasix has never been tied to breakdowns. Now you can have an opinion on whether a horse should get Lasix or not. I continue to try and remind everybody it's a choice. If you don't want to run your horse on Lasix, you certainly don't have to. But again, there's no proof. uh, There's no science. There's no research behind Lasix being included in something that would cause a musculoskeletal, um, catastrophe or fatality. So that was a concern. And obviously, um, the other concern that we raised in our statement had to do with the crop usage. Uh, while I certainly understand the optics of the crop and I, and I understand the optics of Lasix, um, I am one that refuses to let the court of public opinion run our industry. Now, maybe it gets away from me. Uh, maybe it gets away from many of us. But at the end of the day, once you start allowing the court of public opinion to run the industry, I think we're in a bad direction. Um, what we've seen lately, and, and I applaud even efforts such as the Third Red Idea Foundation, the, the focus needs to be on, on two entities in thoroughbred racing, the owner and the handicapper, because those are the people that matter. And in all of my talks with John Nehrud years ago, that's what he taught me. That's what I took away, and I truly believe that to this day. And, you know, those are the folks we need to be listening to. And I would go one step further, John, and, and I've gotten a lot of negativism on Twitter and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, it also has to come back to a majority um, you know, the HBPA, well, all of the legal horsemen's representative groups, that being the THA and the TOC and us, we're an elected body. So if you want to complain, if you want to uh, lodge um, something at the organization, you're more than willing to step up, run for the board, and work towards changes. 
It works just like the federal government. You get elected and you do what the majority of your constituents ask you to do. And that's what I do as a trade association is I work towards doing what the majority wishes for me to do. Um, and, and I'm lucky to work for an organization that appreciates high horsemanship standards, does everything we can to make sure that there is no cheating, there's no nefarious acts in the industry. Uh, and when you think of it, at the end of the day, who more than horsemen don't want those people in the industry because that's how they make their livelihood. Um, so with the Lasix debate, we're going to continue to go round and around. And, and, you know, and I've been told and I've even read today on uh, some of the, the, the articles written about the commission meeting here in Kentucky um, that, you know, the, the, the science doesn't necessarily matter. And that, uh, again, what I term the court of public opinion is driving the bus. And I just think that's a dangerous way to go not just for our industry, really for anybody, uh, any, anything in society for that matter. But, but when you start letting those who don't understand dictate what you do, dictate what is, in their opinion, best for a situation or a horse, I think it's wrong. Um, I am going to continue to stand by the veterinarians and the veterinary leadership at the AEP and the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and they still stand behind utilizing LASIKs the way we do in the United States. And, and I think if you, look to, if you look at us and you look at Canada and you look at the majority of South America, those of us who use LASIKs on race day, um, you, you have to understand that it's the right thing to do for the horse. Um, I understand that other markets don't use it, international markets don't use it on race day, but this rhetoric that continues to be sent around that international markets don't use Lasix, I think is wrong. I think it's a blatant lie, and it certainly misinforms those people in the public who don't know, because the reality is those countries do utilize Lasix, they just don't give it on race day. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a mar marvelous uh, way to clarify, you know, how you feel and the situation uh, with that aspect. <clears throat> Let's move on yes, to sir. part two. And this is mm -hmm. something that uh, I, I think could be very dangerous uh, in, in our sport and actually very dangerous in any industry. The fact that... Uh, uh, Jerry Hollendorfer, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, you don't get there by running your horses into the ground. You get there by taking good right. care of them. The fact that he has been singled out. Now, here's a guy with 150 horses, I'm going to say easily, in training. Yes, sir. And sad to say, uh, he, he, he did have uh, at least four breakdowns. But when you do the math, if there's a guy that trains eight horses and has one, What's that, like 20% mm -hmm. of his crop right, <laughs> has broken exactly. down? And then how do you point the finger at a guy who's uh, training and racing horses that it cost upwards of $2 million to think that he doesn't care about his horses and the fact that he was actually ruled off Santa Anita and I believe right now Delmar. And I think just to add to the stickiness of the situation, if he does have to give up training these horses, he owns the majority of them as a partial owner, which I always like. 
liked about a trainer. I always hired trainers that wanted to split the horse with me because I knew, hey, he wasn't just getting a day rate. He wanted to win as bad as I did. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and again, I would be the first to tell you, obviously, we don't have an affiliate in California. I don't spend any time uh, at any of the tracks in California. Um, I don't know Mr. Hollendorfer personally. Uh, I'm not privy to all of the facts in the case, so to speak. But at the end of the day, uh, and, and I was very happy to do a joint statement with Alan Foreman and the THA, the bottom line is due process was not served. And then you said it properly at the front end, John, that's dangerous for any industry, any, any individual. Um, when you are uh, accused of something, uh, when there is a due process, uh, whether it's a mitigating or aggravating factors or introduced, fine. Understand. Again, as I said earlier, I want those people out of the business because they take livelihoods away from the people who are doing it right. But in this case, to this point, as of today, there has been no charges brought against Mr. Hollendorfer. Uh, there's been no rumor of charges or anything that he's done wrong. And I'll circle right back to what I said before. The court of public opinion basically drove that instance. Um, and again, talking about the variation of stats with the number of horses, you know, if you look to the two years prior, 2017, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, he only had one horse that did have a fatality. So, you know, while the reaction is over the four horses that he lost at Santa Anita and, and he did have two horses that, that um, broke down at Golden Gate, the reality is when you average out he's still quote unquote, well below our safety rating or our fatality rate. Um, and at the end of the day, he did not do anything wrong. Now, if there is somebody with some information on some of his horses or one of his horses that was within these necropsy reports that have yet to be sent out to the public, I will retract my statement or I'll amend it and I'll appreciate the due process. But at this point, What's being done to Mr. Hollendorfer is, is, is not only, in my opinion, wrong, it's illegal. You're not offering a, a, an individual with a license due process, and he is allowed with an occupational license to practice his occupation. And I, I appreciate the attorneys that are standing up for him out in California, and I hope they go through and, and are successful. But at the end of the day, until something is proven where he did have a violation, horsemen across the country cannot stand for this. This is a precedent-setting case, uh, very similar to and something else the HBPA has got criticism for in Pennsylvania. Um, regardless of what happened in Pennsylvania with the situation and the trainer with Murray Rojas, whether she broke rules or not, the, the scenario of her being charged for wire fraud was incorrect. And subsequently, she was released of the wire fraud charges. And, and with Mr. Hollendorfer, I would say a very similar analogy. This is a precedent-setting scenario. We cannot allow a racetrack to ban someone just because they feel as if 
it is, and I think the the quote being being pushed around now from Delmar is a a a a PR catastrophe or radioactive PR nightmare. Um, that doesn't fly in the legal system, and and when we start allowing that to dictate what we do, again, we're going down the wrong road for the industry. And if the road is going towards some in the industry want it to be a club, sport of king sort of non-industry scenario, you know, I feel bad for everybody that's in this industry such as myself because we put our heart and soul into this. I've been doing this since I was 16 years old. And at the end of the day, if this industry goes away, um, that's my livelihood and that's all I've ever done. Uh, and, and someone like Jerry Hollendorfer, uh, deserves a hell of a lot better than he's being treated right now. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking with uh, Eric Hamelbeck of the HBPA. Uh, just uh, very well spoken, insightful, and all I got to say is that the, the, the horsemen of, of our nation have a, a good man at the top in, in you, Eric. Uh, you're, you're well spoken. You think things through, and I don't really think you know. Although people don't agree with you at, at times, you don't make enemies because you always come through with sound logic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, John. Appreciate that. It, well, it, it's the truth. Well, listen, I, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, stay in touch. I've, as you know, I've got your number, so you can't get away from me. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> anytime. But, uh, anytime. I, I love having you on. I, 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 you know, so all I can do is thank you once again for joining us on Winning Ponies. Thank you very much. Great to see you at uh, Indiana, and uh, look forward to catching up with you in person again. All right, that was Eric Hamelbeck. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the man I admire. Yep, the one and only admire. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and a man who knows his way around a racing form, uh, the racetracks, and uh, always has his finger on the pulse, made me aware of the fact that Saratoga canceled the final seven races on today's card. I, I actually have a job in the real world, and I was busy doing that and didn't see that, but Ed gave me a, a heads up on that, and uh, it wasn't track condition or heat it was rain you couldn't see the damn place and uh, they said uh, to turn for home on the final race it's like where'd they go there was nobody there and i as i know ed from one that uh, grew up in upstate new york is particularly around saratoga man when those storms come up they got so many lakes around there they, they got so much moisture in them boom when it rains it pours as they say ed meyer welcome back Thank you, Johnny. I'm always always looking forward to it, and I always enjoy listening to your guests and such. And being a man of New York, uh, maybe uh, Gordon Lightfoot should have written a song about the uh, the New York area rains, uh, and you know, the, as the gales of uh, July come calling. Uh, yeah, it really looked bad. It was actually I caught it on Twitter, and Larry Calmus said they were going into the turn, and they just disappeared. So it really must have been just buckets. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, General Assembly and the Travers. I'm dating myself. But, man, it rained that day, but they weren't going to cancel the Travers. But then it kind of stopped for the race. But I remember, uh, like a lot of tracks, when it rains that much, actually, you know, the hooves go right through the top part and just grab that clay. And General Assembly, the son of Secretariat, uh, set a track record in the Travers that day. So, yeah, it, it can rain uh, pretty good. Well, before we get on to the races, I know you've handicapped them all because I read your stuff. Um, it, you know, I'm a big fan of the DRF, but, man, it was awful tough seeing some of those top five guys go. We're talking Havday, Watchmaker, uh, Bernier, Byron King, and editor uh, Robert Fortuna. I mean, you know, the Weekend Warrior has always been Watchmaker, you know, and him going back and forth with Privman leading up to the Derby. And, and two of the yeah, kind of I won't call him young and up and coming because they're grown men now, but, you know, Matt Bernier, I mean, he's like the face of what you want in racing. You don't want old farts like us, you know. You want, you want people looking at him and going, hey, this guy's hip. If if he's, you know, this good at handicapping and he's hip, this might be a game I want to play, you know. And, of course, Byron King couldn't be smoother than a, than a shot of Maker's Mark and the way he presents, <laughs> uh, you know, his outlook on, uh, on, on, on racing and handicapping. He's a damn good handicapper. But he's also been, you know, a bloodstock agent he's put together uh partnerships so you know uh he can go in a lot of different directions i I got a feeling there'll be demand for a lot of those guys well first off i just want to disagree with you vociferously yes they do want old guys like us because we bring the knowledge big boy you told me that a long time ago half of the fun is educating the fans of which i know for a fact that you did for I'm not going to date you, but I'll just say 
more than a season or two that uh, you actually had a, a great life. show that was fun and tongue-in-cheek and it didn't take itself too seriously but the fans absolutely loved it and even people away from river downs got more out of watching the regular guy so show i disagree with that buddy boy that uh, yes they like old farts like us that's where we're supposed to be the racist they just don't identify with us, but they probably listen to us and go, you know, if this guy's still in the business, they haven't canned his ass yet. Maybe he does know what he's talking about. Disagree with you again. I have been out with you at other racetracks. If you don't shake at least 30 hands, I'll buy dinner for everybody out there. You at least, <laughs> you must wash your hands and keep Purell in your pocket. I've watched you everywhere you go, Vegas, the symposium, anywhere you've been. Hey, the regular guy. The regular guy's been uh, been kind of off the market for a, a number of years now since River Downs closed the doors. But you are still the regular guy. You will be a hundred years after you're gone when they dig it up on YouTube. John, that part in a friendly disagreement. I, I watched. I enjoyed. And I really relish taking part in being one of the regular guys for a while. But that was that was just for a small track to take that. Uh, if you're excited by the uh, by the talking heads of other big tracks, they sure missed a lot of fun if you didn't catch the regular guy. Yeah, I, I got made at a wedding a couple of weeks ago. This guy was staring at me, and I thought, man, am I still that good looking, you know, that I'm attracting guys? And, uh, you know, and finally came up to me, he said, you know, he says, are, are you that guy from Riverdown? I'm like, yeah, I am the guy. He said, yeah, I used to watch you all the time. You know, he, this guy he's from Northern Kentucky. It was just funny, you know. This guy, every time I turn around, he's like, give me the eye, you know. Like, what the hell's with this guy? Man? So if I came well, up I mean, check you know, me. women love you. Men want to be you. Kids, they look up to you. I mean, the regular guy was, was, was a whole character. I mean, it was great. I mean, and never once did I ever see you ever not take time for someone that stopped you, grabbed your arm. You could have had 80,000 things to do in 20 fires, but you stopped and you talked. And, and I think that that is something we're missing in racing. It's in maybe their version of the regular guy in whatever shape or form. And I wish everyone the best of luck because it's not an easy job, but you took the time. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from that, and that might cost you at least six beers the next time I catch you. But the truth be told, I learned more about dealing with the public from that little track by the river, the River Downs. Well, listen, before we get get into uh, uh, the, the, the meat of the program, our handicapping segment, let's talk about another little track that was 12 miles from that one. Uh, I don't know if you tuned in to listen to uh, Senator Damon Thayer last week, but it was very interesting because he used to work there at, we're talking about Turfway Park, um, yeah. as far as the, the, the unknown future, I'll just call it unknown future of Turfway Park. Uh, what's your buzz? What's your read? What's your crystal ball tell you? About Turfway, uh, I've, I've now narrowed it down uh, with uh, dividing by two and uh, adding four and the, the last four name, letters of my name. John, I've come out with this. Either the land will actually just be purchased and, and, and just uh, relegated to a beautiful, another strip mall that we really need, or they're going to come all in with guns blazing. I'm leaning towards B. I think this is, this may be the, this may be that final Rocky episode that you've been looking for, but I think Turfway Park is going to come back 
back with a vengeance. It isn't going to be immediate, but I really feel that they're going to be all in in poker terms, and and no nothing is going to be spared as far as expense. I think it's going to do Northern Kentucky proud again. I hope you're right because both you and I share a lot of friends that work yes. at that track, and to eliminate first of all the impact it's going to have on Kentucky to eliminate a winter circuit is not going to be good. Of course, uh, th- there's rumors about maybe building a track in the southern tier of the state, uh, you know, close to Kentucky Downs, and maybe having them be the winter track down there. Uh, but there's a lot of rumors. There's rumors about tearing down Turfway and buying the, the land that's open near what used to be Old Latonia and making a smaller version of Turfway but still having a Kentucky circuit. But all of that, Ed, as you know, would take a minimum of three years to do uh, because you saw it happen right under your nose that the transition from River Downs to Belterra. So a lot of rumors. I I, I just hope they fix the place up. I can tell you that. I was there this week uh, for another reason. And uh, uh, it really perhaps needs to be, you know, they had the drawings. You probably saw that of how Mm -hmm. they wanted it to look, how they envisioned it to look. But that was another entity that owned the track then. We have a new casino that owns it now. It would be great if they just said, hey, here's our architectural plans. This is a great idea. Go with it. Um, But we won't know till we know. So, But I know it is close to both of us because of all the people we know in common uh, with Turfway. Well, uh, we both have a lot in common as far as betting this time of year, and that brings us to the ancient elms the spa, the Saratoga, Man of War Springs. That's right, Saratoga. Um, hey, let's do a pick three with the uh, Vanderbilt, the Bowling Green, and the Jim Dandy. How does that sound to you? Just Jim Dandy? Well, you know what? I'll do anything you like. You dance, I, or you lead, I'll dance. But I got to tell you, John, they got they got an interesting wager, a 50-cent cross-country pick five from Saratoga, Mammoth, and Woodbine, all turf races, kicking up with uh, with the Spa race seven, Mammoth race eleven, Woodbine race ten, Saratoga the final two race ten and twelve, all turf. It's a fifty cent pick five. I thought it was nifty. I read it in the Daily Racing form, and and I have to admit, I mean the Jim Dandy, uh, named after one of the greatest upsets, uh, beating Gallon Fox in nineteen thirty. I think you couldn't do the day better. I mean all turf races, and you know that's got my name on it. All right. Well, you know, the country's going greener and greener in a lot of different ways. Uh, how about how about the Alfred Vanderbilt handicap? Um, this Matoli, uh, you know, trained by Steve Asmussen, has just turned into, you know, one, one of the top sprinters uh, of his generation. He's four years old right now. I should say of the modern, you know, season. Uh, he has had no less than six straight 100-plus buyer figures, and make that seven straight victories, most of those against graded company. He's taken on better and better and won the Metropolitan at a mile. He's going to be asked to be turned back to six furlongs, but early in his career, he was better doing that. Uh, is, Is he the one to watch, or is the mystery horse, Imperial Hint, who hasn't raced since May Dan, who uh, won this race last year, the one to beat? You know, I, I think he is actually the one to watch because I think the race is going to be incredible. 11 for 11 in the money, eight of which are winners. Going for the A straight win 
He's a perfect four for four this year, John. The son of Escandrea, Asmussen, and Santana teaming up. They're 48% of the money together, these guys. Cutting back in distance is one of my favorite angles. Dropping from the, the Met, which was tough. I mean, it was really tough. There was nine runners that day. Drawing the rail, I, I, I got to like that, but I think... I'm going to try, the handicapper me is going to try to beat, I like the two-strike power, Johnny Velasquez for returning Mark Hennig, and Hennig's 41% in the money uh, this year, not bad. You're seeing a runner here that shows speed each and every time, but is this the day that Matoli may, may not like the heat, maybe it's a little too much, maybe the cutback was a little too much. I guess I'm living in hopes for my two bucks that I might see about six to eight to one on strike power, who holds a lot of speed for the Henning Barn. And John Velasquez with Speedsters wins 26% of the time. All right, I don't want to get shut out the window here, so I'm going to move right along. And uh, again, we're uh, talking with uh, handicapper, writer, and former host of this show, Ed Meyer. The Bowling Green, this looks like a redo of the United Nations Handicap. It really does. It, it, it actually, uh, the United Nations, if, if you've loved it, this is a great prep for it. But I'm going to go against all wisdom that, that I count as a, as a handicapper. I'm going to go with a three. Ya Primo. Jose Ortiz Whoa. for Chad Brown, the son of Master Craftsman and Irish bread. First time juice coming in from Chile. This is a Chilean bread and I'm going to tell you what, I've been off for four months, but won the Group 1 Latino Americano in Chile his native country. And from all accounts, that was a really good race. There were 15 runners in that and wins by three and three parts lengths. Got Jose Ortiz aboard, first juice. Chad Brown is winning 20%. I'm taking a shake with Ya Primo, John. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Chad Brown's famous for taking these horses from other countries and uh, moving them up. Uh, and, and also, you mentioned the fields. Here's this horse's last four field sizes, 15, 16, 15, and a mere 12 uh, you know, one of its last three races. Uh, so we'll find out what the, he's done with it. But all I know is that this horse sure likes his cup of coffee in the morning because he's been training lights out at the Saratoga training track. Well, a horse I have to comment on because I love his sire on the grass, English Channel, and that would be none other than Channel Maker, who uh, if he even runs fifth, I think will become uh, will go past the $2 million mark. The regular guy once told me, horses for courses, he's two for two in the money at Saratoga. Well, we have we we have spoken our piece, though uh, I guess the other mystery horse would be uh, Albatrini's trainee, Sadler's Joy, another horse that loves Saratoga, has won almost 700000 but is making his first start since the Breeders' Cup turf. I don't see any bullets, but that may be the horse's way of training, and also... A son of Kitten's Joy. I think they like the Greens word, Eddie. They do. They, they, they kind of favor the, that sod. And uh, I think Saddler's Joy could pop up Castellano and Tom Albatrani coming together here. Four for six in the money over the course. And coming from Churchill in the Breeders' Cup turf, Churchill horses have been doing incredibly well at Del Mar. And they've been doing very good at Saratoga as well. So Saddler's Joy wouldn't toss out of my ticket, and I think you'll get a square price. 
All right. Well, it's a large field, and there's many other horses we could talk about, but there are time limits to this show, sad to say, when I have a guest like Ed Meyer. Uh, the big race of Saturday, in my opinion, is going to be a Jim Dandy, and that is the Jim Dandy presented by Naira Betts, a mile and an eighth. Grade two, I'm surprised this isn't a grade one, uh, especially when it brings out horses like uh, Tacitus, second in the Belmont Stakes, and War of Will, uh, winner of the Preakness. I kind of think that it was he was kind of rushed into uh, the Belmont Stakes, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, you know, they only run it once. He's a three-year-old. Let's give him a shot. And I think what they found out was they had a tired horse. I, I agree, and and. For this race, the Belmont might be the big, the big prep that you want to keep your eye on. War of Will, Tastis. I mean, you keep coming out there, and then, then you drop over and you see the tax ran in there as well. For a field of six, it's actually tougher than advertised, but I think Tastis is going to be really tough, John. I mean, been off for 49 days, really, really nice. His damn close hatches has one start, one winner, and a stakes winner. And I think we know who that is. That would be Tacitus, three-year-old son of pulpit for Bill Mott, on fire, winning 22% of the time. And I got to love it, this one. And I know you're, you're not a big man of me blabbling the numbers, but when Jose Ortiz <laughs> teams up with Mott, they win 38% of the time. I, I, I think this is all Tacitus race to lose. All right. Well, we'll find out. I've been a big fan of his all along, and I did load up on him in the Belmont, went off the favorite, and, of course, finished second. Well, it looks like we got about two minutes, Ed, so we can finish up and go out to the West Coast so we're not East Coast-centric, uh, as I've been accused of being before. Uh, but uh, we're, we're talking about the Bing Crosby, and we talked about, you know, Matoli being one of the top sprinters in the country. This is the big sprint race on the West Coast, grade one, 300000 up for grabs. I think this could be a great rematch uh, between uh, Cistron and Airstrike. But interesting, they're both coming out of the triple bend where it was a gallant race and uh that was at seven furlongs we're asking him to turn back now this is John, you know ran most of his career on the turf and turns out that john sadler's got a nice dirt horse in the in uh Cistron. uh well uh airstrike kind of jumped up last time at almost 13 to 1 in the triple bend and seems to be going in fine fashion right now but it's a horse it seems at least throughout his career to have more experience at longer distances. What you read, and there's probably a horse I haven't mentioned in here, the Bing Crosby Grade 1 at Delmar. Sistron's my top pick, flat out. Uh, Victor Espinosa for John Sadler. But he's got Heronis Racing, who it seems like they have the Midas touch going on, not just now, but for quite some time. This is this is a nice little group of uh, to come together. Espinosa, Sadler, uh, the owners, John, working lights out. There was a bullet. Going to turn back in distance, one of my favorite angles. Now, I see Sistron actually have to make another little jump up here and is really going to have to bring an A game. But if that work on July 20th after coming off a two-month layoff, I think is going to really put him as the one to beat here. I see uh, Victor Espinosa going right to the lead, playing a little game of catch me if you can. And, uh, you know, if you're good enough, you'll gun him down. I mean, this son of the factor is going to give them all they want on the front end. 
And I think the shorter distance, the bullet work, I, I'm really liking that, uh, the time off, coming in fresh. And that, that where, where Airstrike did one, that was at Santa Anita, you know, when, when there was surf meets the turf uh, in the 80th season, I, I think Bing, uh, Bing set it all up here for the Bing Crosby Sistron. Catch me if you can. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, you know, Victor Espinoza did have that uh, spill and was coming back from injury. Uh, he's not clicking at Del Mar just yet, but he, he is riding at a 20% clip uh, for the whole season, which, uh, you know, isn't bad for a jockey. So, uh, you know, he seems to fit this horse very well. Uh, it, it will be interesting when you get a six furlong affair, you're going to find a lot of speed. Is there somebody, I don't know, like airstrike or line judge that you see maybe after these speedsters run each other into the ground could be there at the wire? I think line judge really fits that part. Coming from Churchill once again, I'm really sold on this angle. Everyone is. I mean, every scribe in the world is really caught onto this quick and early. That, you know, coming from Churchill, I, it may be the deep and uh, cushiony oval that Churchill provides here. Drayden Van Dyke in the saddle for trainer Peter Miller, who's just in Fuego, winning 33%. John, the faster that they run it, this guy just loves it. Take a look at 45-1, winner. You get 44-4 and four last time out, winner. I like the cutback in distance. They're going to have to move a little quicker. I just wish Corey Lannery would have had the opportunity to come out and uh, take a swing here for this one. But Drayden Van Dyke is an incredible rider out there. I, I, you know, if, if the pace falls apart, line judge may be picking up the pieces. Uh, absolutely. Well, Ed, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'll send you the $20 bill, I promise, for saying all those nice things about me at the top <laughs> of the uh, spot. And uh, uh, I know that our paths will cross shortly. I got a few new hats for you, buddy. So uh, I got those in the trunk of the car, and I haven't even you know mowed the lawn in them yet or anything. So uh, they're, <laughs> well, well, you know, break them in for me if you would be so kind. I've given you a couple used ones that I told you were new, but uh, they, these are brand new. Trust me on that. But anyway. I, I, I wear it with a smile on my face. John, <laughs> thanks so much for allowing me to take part. And, uh, hey, remember, don't forget your easy win forms. They have been on fire this year. And don't doubt this weekend because you're going to get sun on the left and east coast. And I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. We're going to make up for all that crazy heat. Hey, best of luck to your listeners, John, and thanks so much. Hey, thank you. All right, we're talking to Ed Meyer. Eric Hamelback, always great to have on the show. Always great to have you as listeners. Go on over to Winning Ponies, as Ed just said, because it's going to be a wild weekend. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.